You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, June 27th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Reaction continues to pour into the Supreme Court's decision to overturn abortion rights. Russia defaults on its foreign debt for the first time since 1918. And one of Wall Street's biggest bears sees the market rally continuing before another sell-off. Man faces charges after he backslapped former Mayor Giuliani. Plus, New York's annual Pride Parade took a different tone after last week's Supreme Court abortion ruling. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Another Aaron Judge walk-off Yankee win. The Mets lost and the Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And U.S. futures are higher this morning. 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 20 points, Dow futures up 116, and NASDAQ futures up 82. Ten-year Treasury down 4.30 seconds, yield 3.14%, and a yield on the two-year, 3.05%, and NYMEX crude oils down 7 tenths percent. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have more on the markets in a moment, but we begin this morning in the nation's capital, where the Supreme Court's decision to overturn abortion rights continues to reverberate. Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren says the court has burned its own legitimacy. We have never left individual rights to the states. The whole idea is that women are not second-class citizens, and the government is not the one that will decide about the continuation of a pregnancy. Speaking on ABC's This Week, Senator Warren says President Biden should add more justices to the Supreme Court. South Dakota is one of 13 states with trigger laws that ban most abortions. Republican Governor Kristi Noem says her state will work to get resources to women with unplanned pregnancies. I think we'll continue to have those debates on how we can support these mothers and what it means to really make sure that we're not prosecuting mothers ever in a situation like this when it comes to abortion, that it will always be focused towards those doctors who knowingly break the law to perform abortions in our state. Governor Christy Noem spoke on CBS's Face the Nation. Listen for Face the Nation and this week every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. 
Well, Nathan, another major story this morning brings us to Europe in a meeting of leaders from the group of seven countries. They have committed to indefinite support to Ukraine in its fight against Russia. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. President Joe Biden says any other course would be dangerous for world democracies. We have to stay together. Because Putin has been counting on from the beginning. And somehow NATO would uh, and the G7 would... Splinter. The group also signed onto a Biden-forged program called Build Back Better World Initiative to attack the problems met by the global economy and climate change. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. A couple of other notes from the G7. Leaders will begin a second day of talks in the Bavarian Alps with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky due to join the summit by video link from Kiev. A senior U.S. administration official tells reporters the G7 will also explore ways to set a price cap on Russian oil. That potential cap would only allow the transport of Russian crude sold below an agreed threshold. Well, Nathan, that news comes as Russia defaults on its foreign currency sovereign debt for the first time in a century. And let's go to Europe and get the latest live with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. It's Russia's foreign, first foreign sovereign debt default since 1918. At midnight last night, the grace period on about $100 million of interest payments expired, a deadline considered a default event. Russia's eurobonds have traded at distress levels since March, with the central bank's foreign reserves frozen because of sanctions. Moscow says the default label is a farce, saying it has the funds available but has been forced into non-payment. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. We now turn back to markets where U.S. futures are moving higher this morning. The S&P 500 is coming off its first weekly gain in a month. And one of the most prominent bears on Wall Street sees this rally continuing temporarily. Morgan Stanley strategist Michael Wilson says the S&P 500 could climb another 5 to 7 percent before resuming losses. Well, Nathan, Mike Wilson's call comes as we enter the final trading week of the month and the second quarter. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Earnings from major retailers will hint at how consumers are holding up. Traders and investors, though, remain concerned about recession fears and how far the Fed will need to raise rates to control inflation. Kevin Holt is chief investment officer at Invesco. I think rates are going to continue to move higher throughout the year. I think we're likely to have earnings disappointments in Q2, which are going to create more attractive uh, entry points uh, probably later in the year, either Q3 or Q4. Among the consumer-facing companies reporting earnings this week are Nike, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Walgreens Boots Alliance. We'll also hear from Constellation Brands, General Mills, Micron Technology, and Paychex. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. In Asia overnight, stocks gained to begin the week. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis in Hong Kong. A strong day for risk assets in Asia. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index was up for a third day, powered by Alibaba, Samsung, and other tech companies. The recent drop in commodity prices has led some investors to bet that inflation has peaked. Quarterly rebalancing by institutional investors could also be weighing in. Other positives include a modest improvement in China's economy in June and a further easing of COVID restrictions in the country. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Brian, thank you. On the economic front this week, it's all about monetary policy. Central bank chiefs from the U.S., the Eurozone, and the U.K. will exchange views in public on Wednesday. Fed Chair Jay Powell, ECB President Christine Lagarde, and Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey appear together at the ECB's annual meeting in the Portuguese resort of Sintra. And so will Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua. Francine sits down for a conversation with all three live right here on Bloomberg Radio and Television. It all begins at 930 Wall Street time. 
Wednesday morning. And checking commodities this morning, Karen, gold is on the rise. It's up about a half percent at 1840 an ounce. The spike comes as the U.S., U.K., Japan, and Canada plan to announce a ban on new gold imports from Russia during the G7 summit. Sources say the Treasury Department will issue the U.S. ban on Russian gold tomorrow. Right now, S&P futures are up 16 points. Dow futures up 95. NASDAQ futures are higher by 67 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 74 degrees in Central Park. Already dealing with a closure on the Belt Parkway westbound at the Cross Bay Boulevard. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A Staten Island grocery store worker was arrested after police say he slapped Rudy Giuliani on the back and called him a disparaging name. Authorities say the former New York City mayor and Trump attorney was at a shop right near Bricktown, in the campaigning for his son, Andrew, when the incident happened near Bricktown Way. Police say the 39-year-old shopwright worker open-hand slapped Giuliani. He's facing second-degree assault charges for hitting Giuliani, who is 78. Andrew Giuliani is currently running to be the GOP nominee in the New York governor's race. Tomorrow, seven states, including New York, are set to host primary elections. For the Democrats, New York Governor Kathy Hochul faces Tom Swasey and Jemani Williams for the gubernatorial nomination. Rob Astorino, Andrew Giuliani, Harry Wilson, and Lee Zeldin are running for the GOP nomination for governor. Crowds and rainbow colors covered Manhattan's Fifth Avenue yesterday for the annual New York City Pride Parade. It is the first unrestricted celebration in two years. This parade goer is thankful for the return to normalcy. I'm so glad that people are coming out, reuniting, having a great time, being comfortable, feeling safe. The parade, the largest in the country, marks the history of the gay rights movement following the infamous police raid on the Stonewall Inn. It helped the push for equality in the LGBTQ community. However, Chase Strangio with the ACLU says he is concerned about those rights after Friday's Supreme Court ruling on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade. There are 13 states already where people are no longer able to access abortion, and there are LGBTQ people in those states. So there is an immediate impact. And then, of course, I don't think we can sit by and think that other monumental Supreme Court precedents are fine. Chase Strangio is the deputy director for transgender justice with the ACLU's LGBT and HIV project. The New York subway lines are going to speed it up a bit. According to the New York Daily News, starting today, the 2, 3, 4, and 5 lines were run on a faster weekday schedule. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Five years ago, the Colorado Avalanche had one of the worst regular seasons in NHL history. Only 48 points. Playoff team the next four seasons, but always out by the second round in these playoffs. They were dominant last night in Tampa. The Stanley Cup was hoisted. Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. It's over. They did it. They did it. The job is done. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup 
champion. AKSC in Denver. The calls. The Avs fell behind. Scored twice second period. Then held the Lightning without a shot on goal for the first ten minutes of the third. They won game six, two to one. The Lightning denied a third cup in a row. The Yankee Astros series in the Bronx began and ended with Aaron Judge walk-off hits. In between, Judge went 0 for 11, and the Yankees yesterday came up in the seventh inning, having gone 0 for their last 52, 16 innings without a hit. But a Giancarlo Stanton home run, a DJ LeMayu game-tying two-run shot in the eighth, and then a three-run blast by Judge in the tenth for a 6-3 Yankee win in the split of the series. The Yanks now 31-9 at home, and tonight they host the lowly Oakland A's. The Mets are off. They'll host the Astros tomorrow. Mets lost in Miami 3-2 on a walk-off home run bottom of the ninth by the Marlins of Dick Fortes. Golf near Hartford, Xander Shoffley got the win. 23-year-old Matthew Wolf finished 40th, and then came word, He's leaving the PGA Tour and heading for the new Live Tour, which has a tournament this week in Portland. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 16 points as we get ready for the final trading week of the second quarter. Dow futures up 89, NASDAQ futures up 65 points. The 10-year treasury is down 5.30 seconds. The yield almost 3.15%. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets, joins us next with a look at these markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Global stocks are extending gains after posting their best performance in a month last week, while U.S. stock index futures are rising with tech stocks set to extend gains following their best week since March. Check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 113. NASDAQ futures up 75. The DAX in Germany is up 1.1 percent. Ten-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. Yield 3.14 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.05 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 51 cents at $107.13 a barrel. COMEX gold up six tenths percent or $10.20 at $18.40.50 an ounce. The euro 1.0585 against the dollar. British pound 1.2307 and the yen 135.06. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. South Dakota Republican Governor Kristi Noem is pledging to bar mail-order abortion pills but says women shouldn't face prosecution for seeking them. The Supreme Court last week stripped away women's rights for abortion. Russia has shattered weeks of relative calm in Ukraine's capital with a missile attack as Western leaders meeting in Europe prepare to reaffirm their support for Ukraine and condemnation of Russia. In the NHL, the Avalanche, they have won the Stanley Cup after beating the Lightning. In baseball, the Yankees won, the Mets lost, the Red Sox Nationals and A's won, the Orioles and Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we get ready to close the books on the second quarter, we're uh, very pleased to be joined this morning by Lori Calvacina, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at RBC Capital Markets. 
Lori, good morning. You look at the futures, and it looks like we could see even more gains after last week's winning week for a change on Wall Street. Now we even have the likes of Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley, one of Wall Street's biggest bears, saying this rally has more room to run, at least for now. What's your call? Look, we have looked at the market as pricing and a potential recession, and we have said that there is potential downside to 3,500, which would be the median drawdown, or the 3,200 level, which would be about the average drawdown. That being said, markets could change their mind at any point in time, and one of the reasons that we think that markets are acting a little bit better over the last couple weeks has just been this idea of a short and shallow recession potentially being what's confronting investors, and if we talk to investors there's a sense that if that ends up being the case, you could really just sort of rip off the Band-Aid, get the pain out of the way in the next few months, and earnings could still look reasonable for next year, thereby providing a reason to jump into this market now. Now, we'll see if that ends up panning out, but that is sort of the sentiment I've been picking up from investors the last couple of weeks. And we have the S&P 500 right now at about a 3,900 handle. What about into the uh, third quarter here, Lori? We're going to be getting, at least this week, uh, earnings on the consumer-facing side in particular. What kind of catalyst could that be as we hear from a lot of retail names? So, look, I think the interesting thing about the consumer discretionary space is that if you look at the drawdown that was put in place on June 16th, basically the pain that was in line with that that part of the market since the January highs was consistent with the average recession drawdown you've seen in that sector over the past four recessions. So I don't think that necessarily things need to be completely rosy. I think one of the reasons that part of the market has been acting a little bit better has just been this idea that it's been de-risked. But I think that investors are looking for clues, you know, just of, of what is happening in the here and now. I keep hearing investors saying, well, we need to get a sense of what's going on with July trends. I think it's going to be, you know, sort of a very, very tricky situation. Um, but I do think that investors want to see that, you know, sort of any pain that's experienced will be short-term in nature and that consumers in general, you know, aren't going to be sort of significantly damaged by what's about to transpire. Are you looking for earnings to drive the market uh, more uh, significantly going forward, or is it going to be more about the Fed, the interest rate moves that the Fed makes in the next few months? I think it's a combination of both. I think that investors want to have a sense that the Fed doesn't want to you know, just sort of instigate some sort of deeper, longer recession with lasting scars. I think that's one of the things we're going to be you know, seeing market participants look for from the Fed. I think you know a few weeks back, Um, when we heard sort of the idea that the Fed was sort of pulling all the hikes forward so that they could have flexibility later in the year. Markets did like that kind of talk. So I think that's going to be very critical. You know, I do think in the short term, earnings are expected to be uh, less robust than what the sell side has been anticipating if you ask your average buy sider. So I'm not so worried about uh, looking at 2Q, 3Q, and, and having the market necessarily take its cues there. Of course, people don't like misses. But I do think investors are really trying to wrap their heads around the longer-term earnings outlook. One other note we got this morning was out of uh, Credit Suisse. Uh, They're saying that bond yields have probably peaked for now, and that might mean that this is the time to start adding to cyclical sectors. Uh, Is your team thinking that bond yields have peaked as well? So our rate strategy team has been looking for a peak in bond yields. And if you know, if you sort of look at some of the recent moves, I think they surpassed even their expectations. But generally, that's their thinking, and and it really goes – the idea that the growth pressures will weigh on the yield. Now, I wouldn't necessarily take that as a cue to buy cyclical sectors. I define cyclicals as things like the commodities, industrials, um, and the financials. I actually think you don't want to buy financials in, a, in sort of a, a 
backdrop when bond yields are coming in. But the idea of stabilizing the tech part of the market and the growth part of the market, that's what we would expect to see when bond yields are coming back in. And that is something that we are starting to see. And that does end up helping stabilize the market just when you look at the massive share that technology companies, the broader tech complex has in terms of both market cap and net income in the market. So I do think that's a good stabilizing force. Um, And frankly, I think it's something, you know, secular growth is an area that people go to when times are uncertain economically or GDP growth is cooling off. And I think that's fueling some of this move back into the growth sectors as well. As always, Lori, great to get your thoughts. Thanks for this. Lori Calvacina is uh, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at RBC Capital Markets as we look at a market poised for gains as we get ready to kick off the final trading week of the second quarter here. Right now, S&P futures are up 20 points. Dow futures up 119. NASDAQ futures are higher by 79 points. That's uh, leading the gains this morning, the uh, tech sector outperforming. The DAX in Germany is higher by one. 1.2% right now. Ten-year Treasury down 6.30 seconds. The yield 3.15%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 3.06%. NYMEX crude is down four-tenths percent, down 47 cents at $107.14 a barrel. Stay with us. You are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy, scattered showers and storms today with a high near 80 degrees. It'll be mostly sunny tomorrow with a high near 80. Low 80s, sunshine for Wednesday, right now 74 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin this morning in the nation's capital where the Supreme Court's decision to overturn abortion rights continues to reverberate. Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling for change to the high court structure. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. Speaking on ABC's This Week, Senator Warren said President Biden needs to make abortion as available as possible. South Dakota is one of 13 states with trigger laws that ban most abortions. Republican Governor Kristi Noem tells ABC her state will work to get resources to women with unplanned pregnancies. I don't believe there should be any punishment for women ever that are in a crisis situation or have an unplanned pregnancy. And South Dakota has been strong on on that argument. And Governor Christy Nome spoke on ABC's This Week. Listen to This Week every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Stern overseas now, Karen. Group of seven leaders begin a second day of talks in the Bavarian Alps. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is due to join the summit by video link from Kiev. It comes after the G7 committed indefinite support to Ukraine to fight the Russian invasion. A senior U.S. administration official tells reporters the G7 will also explore ways to set a Russian oil price cap. Well, Nathan, that news comes as Russia defaulted on its foreign currency sovereign debt for the first time since 1918. Bloomberg rates correspondent Garfield Reynolds says the default is a result of Russia's exclusion from the global financial systems. 
it's not that the money isn't there. It's that the money is not allowed to be used for that because mm. of the ruling from the U.S. and others that Russia is outside of civilized society. Bloomberg's Garfield Reynolds says Russia found paths around penalties for months before defaulting. Now to markets, Karen. We begin a, the uh, final trading week of the month and the second quarter. U.S. futures are higher. The S&P 500 is coming off its first weekly gain in a month. And one prominent bear sees the rally continuing temporarily. Morgan Stanley strategist Michael Wilson says the S&P 500 could climb another 5 to 7 percent before resuming losses. Well, on the commodity front, gold is on the rise. It is at $1,840 an ounce. The spike comes as the U.S., U.K., Japan, and Canada plan to announce a ban on new gold imports from Russia during the G7 summit. And sources say the U.S. ban is expected tomorrow. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street, 73 degrees in Central Park, and westbound Belt Parkway is closed into Cross Bay Boulevard for an accident investigation. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A Staten Island grocery store worker was arrested after police say he slapped Rudy Giuliani on the back and called him a disparaging name. Authorities say the former New York City mayor and Trump attorney was at a shop right near Bricktown Way campaigning for his son, Andrew, when the incident happened. The 39-year-old ShopRite worker is facing second-degree assault charges for the open-hand slap on Giuliani, who was 78. Tomorrow, seven states, including New York, are set to host primary elections. For the Democrats, New York Governor Kathy Hochul faces Tom Swasey and Jumani Williams for the gubernatorial nomination. Rob Astorino, Andrew Giuliani, Harry Wilson, and Lee Zeldin are running for the GOP nomination for governor. Thousands of people lined Manhattan's Fifth Avenue yesterday for the annual New York City Pride Parade. It is the first unrestricted celebration in two years. Filmmaker James Scully says it's because of the decades of fighting that he was able to make the Hulu rom-com Fire Island. It's not about being bogged down or learning to come to terms with your queerness. It's about celebrating your queerness, celebrating your chosen family, living in your truth, and celebrating the joy that comes with all of those things. And I think that that's revolutionary. Filmmaker James Scully, the parade, the largest in the country, marks the history of the gay rights movement following the infamous police raid on the Stonewall Inn. However, the Pride Parade also had another tone, the fight for abortion rights. I'm sure what will come next with the other rights that are under attack, they'll come. But we're ready for the fight. We've been fighting for our whole lives just like women have been. Pride parades were also held in other big cities, including San Francisco. WNBA star Brittany Griner, who's been in Russian custody since February, is expected to appear in court today. Griner was arrested at the airport in Moscow after being accused of carrying vape cartridges containing hashish oil. The U.S. says she is being wrongfully detained. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Bar and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael.
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshaw. All right, Nathan. Tampa Bay Lightning were trying to do something no team's done since the Islanders back in the early 1980s. The Stanley Cup three-peat. They fought off elimination three times, including Game 5 in Denver. But back in Tampa, Colorado scored twice in the second period. That was enough for a 2-1 Game 6 victory, third cup in Avs history. They also won in 1996 and 2001. Defenseman Cole McCarr won the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. When the Warriors just won the NBA championship, the commissioner, Adam Silver, could not hand them the trophy because of COVID. And the same thing happened last night with NHL commissioner Gary Bettman. Wild one in the Bronx. The first and last pitches of the games were home runs. Jose Altuve for the Astros. The Yankees didn't get a hit until the seventh inning, which made it 16 straight innings without a hit. They only had four, but three of them were home runs. Giancarlo Stanton in the seventh to break up what would have been baseball history, a second no-hitter in a row. DJ LeMayo game-tying two-run shot in the eighth and then in the tenth. All right. And the pitch is swung on and hit in the end of the block. That goes high. It is far. It is gone. It's a walk-off three-run home run. It's a judging blast to deep left center into the bullpen. WFAN Yankees 6, Astros to 3. 28th home run for Aaron Judge, his second walk-off of the series. Yanks' 10th walk-off win. They avoid what would have been just their second three-game losing streak. Marlins walked off on the Mets in Miami. Home run bottom of the night by Nick Fortes off Adam Ottavino to beat the Mets 3-2. to two. Wild brawl between the Mariners and Angels. Six ejections. John Stash Howard, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Wow. All right, John, thank you. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. In Manhattan, median apartment rents hit 4000 bucks for the first time ever in May. Home prices surged 11% in the first quarter compared to a year earlier. In the past few decades, gay bars in the U.S. and around the world have been closing at a steady rate. From 1997 to 2017, New York City added LGBTQ clubs, according to an analysis of bar listings by Oberlin College professor Gregor Matson. But since then, more than a quarter of its gay bars have closed. A steady shrinking of the scene both before and after COVID. A bill moving through the New Jersey legislature aims to significantly increase hours minors can work during summer break and after school. It would raise the number of hours 16 and 17-year-olds can work during summer vacation from 40 hours a week to 50 and increase shifts for teens 14 and older from 5 hours to 6 with a 30-minute break for a meal. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong. Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus. And on 1010 Winds in New York, we're talking about how the labor market may be showing signs of a slowdown. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm talking about an Australian broadcasting report saying that Boeing 737 MAX jets have had at least a half dozen in-flight emergencies in the years since they were cleared to fly following two fatal crashes. I'm Stephen Powell on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on Russia's first foreign debt default in over a 100 years amid EU sanctions on payment routes. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Detroit City Football Club is opening a store downtown. And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The Supreme Court decision striking down Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling that for nearly half a century had guaranteed a right to abortion across the U.S., is the most significant setback for women's rights in generations. 
The move should serve as a rallying point for the majority of Americans who opposed overturning Roe and for the nearly 90% of Americans who oppose total abortion bans. While an effort in the Senate to codify abortion protections into federal law failed last month, lawmakers should continue working to find common ground on a bill that would unite Congress's pro-choice majority. Meanwhile, pro-choice Americans should see this moment as a call to action and recommit themselves to the legal and political battle to secure fundamental rights nationwide. Future generations are counting on them. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go, and we will have much more on the political fallout from the Supreme Court's decision to overturn abortion rights. Wendy Schiller, chair of the uh, Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University, joins us next on a morning where futures are pointing to a higher open on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy, scattered showers and storms today with a high near 80 degrees. We'll have sunshine tomorrow, high back near 80, low 80s and sunny for Wednesday. Right now, 73 and cloudy in Central Park. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And global stocks are extending gains after posting their best performance in a month last week. U.S. stock index futures rising, but tech stocks set to extend gains following their best week since March. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures up 21 points, Dow futures up 124, and NASDAQ futures up 86. The DAX in Germany is up 1%. The 10-year Treasury down 10.30 seconds, yield 3.16%. The yield on the two-year, 3.07%. NYMEX crude oil is down a quarter percent or 25 cents at $107.37 a barrel. COMEX gold up six tenths percent or $11 at 1841 30 an ounce. The euro 1.0578 against the dollar. British pound 1.2294. The yen's at 135.08. And looking at Bitcoin this morning up a quarter percent at $21,450. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden and Western allies at a three-day summit in the Bavarian Alps say they're intent on keeping economic pressure on Russia and trying to end the conflict in Ukraine. NASA has launched a rocket from outback Australia carrying equipment to learn more about the galaxy. WNBA star Brittany Griner is expected to appear in court today for her preliminary hearing in Moscow. She was detained for allegedly having vape cartridges with hashish oil in her luggage. In the NHL, the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup after beating the Lightning. Baseball, the Yankees won. The Mets lost. The Red Sox, Nationals, and A's won. The Orioles and Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. 
All right, Michael, thank you. Now, more on our top story. There were protests all weekend across the country over the Supreme Court stripping away the constitutional right to abortion with the vote of five of the conservative justices. The decision overturning Roe v. Wade will be transformative, making abortion illegal in about half of the states. And despite controlling the White House and both chambers of Congress, there's little more Democrats can do via executive action or legislation. For more on this story, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Catherine Frankie, a professor at Columbia Law School and the director of the Center for Gender and Sexuality Law. The dissent in which the three liberal justices united says that no one should be confident that this majority is done with its work. And Justice Clarence Thomas in his concurrence says, you know, we should reconsider all of the court's substantive due process precedents like same-sex marriage and contraception. Justice Alito, in his majority opinion, says, look, we're only deciding the abortion case today. All those other matters of sex and sexuality, whether it's a right to contraception or the decriminalization of sodomy or same-sex marriage rights, those are not implicated in this decision. But to be honest, the way in which Justice Alito's opinion kicks the legs out from the Constitution that held up Roe versus Wade, it's hard to imagine how all those other rights have anything left to stand on. There's a lot of talk about what will happen next. And one thing that, that people are concerned about is that red states will try to prosecute in some way women who cross state lines. Justice Kavanaugh, his concurrence, says that's not going to happen. I mean, can we trust his opinion there? Well, he's no expert in state prosecutions. I think he's completely out of order in saying that won't happen because the Supreme Court's decision is actually an invitation to local prosecutors to enforce the criminal laws in exactly that way. So we'll have to wait and see, but there are many, many people who feel very strongly about this issue, as we know, and then do feel that abortion is murder. And why wouldn't they prosecute those laws just as robustly as they prosecute the murder of already born people? President Biden says it's up to Congress now to pass a law protecting the right to abortion. We're unlikely to see that anytime soon. Is there anything else that can be done at this point? Vote, right? This issue now is a state-by-state issue. We have to show up in the, at the polls. We have to get different people in our state legislatures and protect abortion rights as contraceptive rights and a whole range of rights having to do with reproductive health care and in the ballot box, because that's now where this issue has been kicked by the Supreme Court is into the state legislatures. And that's Catherine Frankie, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We want to get even more now on the political fallout from the Supreme Court's decision as we continue here live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studios. For that, we're joined this morning live by Wendy Schiller, director of the Topman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Professor Schiller, that uh, previous comment sort of encapsulates where things go from here, potentially a focus on state legislatures and state races for control of Congress on Capitol Hill. Will the abortion rights issue reverberate into November? 
Well, Nathan, I think that it will. But the question is, where will it be stronger? I mean, we, you know, sort of think, oh, pro-life, pro-life forces have won a victory, and maybe that, you know, diminishes their enthusiasm or their motivation for getting out the door. Republicans typically better at motivating voters in midterm elections, particularly at the state level. We've known this since at least 2010. So um, then there are all these other things that the Republican Party will now talk about advancing in terms of limiting contraception, revoking gay rights, um, you know, uh, all these things, prosecuting people who go across the state border to get an abortion. I mean, relying on the courts is a very risky proposition now. I think there's no question that this will be about state law, as you're saying. But can the Democrats muster enough enthusiasm among a cross uh, set of coalition members, some of whom are not necessarily pro, uh, pro-choice, pro uh, conservative uh, Catholic Latino voters, for example, uh, evangelical, uh, particularly African-American voters. So, you know, where does that fall? Can you really get people out the door on this issue on the Democratic side? I'm not sure that's clear, even though it looks and sounds like it's clear. Um, do we have a 2018 on our hands where Democrats get out the door, or do we have a 2010 when Republicans get out the door with much greater enthusiasm? We have seen, though, a lot of polling, particularly a, a late poll from uh, CBS News that shows that a clear majority of Americans uh, across the board uh, support the idea of keeping Roe in place. They disagree with the Supreme Court on overturning the decision. That has to give uh, Democrats a little bit of comfort, doesn't it? No, well, not really, because, you know, uh, as Republicans were saying yesterday, abortion's still legal in America. Right. There are still, you know, a decent number of states that you can go to to get an abortion, which, of course, reemphasizes how draconian this ruling is on poor women who won't have the means to travel. But the fact that it's still legal and it wasn't a ban on abortion nationally, I said, you know, gives Republicans the best of both worlds. Their constituency, uh, their base is super happy and they can motivate them to go further at the state level uh, without actually saying you can't get an abortion anywhere. And most, if not all, I checked the other day, I have to double check of the states that are banning or limiting abortion uh, are doing so with an exception for the life of the mother. So the battle will be about rape and incest now. Uh, and these may be motivating factors for some Americans in an intense way, as we've seen, but not every American is intensely motivated by this. They're still worried about jobs, education, gun safety, inflation, and gas prices. So, you know, the Democrats are going to have to walk a pretty fine line. Do I think it hurts Republicans in general elections in competitive swing districts and in state Senate races, um, you know, national Senate races in Ohio, Pennsylvania, perhaps? Um, yeah, in North Carolina, Arizona, this could make a difference at the margins in North Carolina also. But uh, most Americans still care more about other things. We've also heard from uh, Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren on the Sunday shows talking about uh, President Biden adding more seats to the Supreme Court, uh, talking about moving to end the filibuster. Does that put more attention on those issues, do you see uh, a prospect for any kind of movement on, on either of those ideas? Well, um, you know, as a lot of commentators have been talking about, Nathan, you know, Democrats, uh, voters are, Democratic voters are not particularly motivated by the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, they didn't get over their Bernie-Hillary divide in 2016 to think about what Trump could do to the Supreme Court, uh, for example, whereas Republicans, you know, did think about, they accepted Trump, particularly evangelicals, even though they knew that he had not behaved in the way that they typically uh, proscribe. So, you know, they said we, we care most about abortion, anti-abortion, and the Supreme Court, and we're getting out the door for it. That doesn't happen with the Democrats. So the process argument that insiders make in D.C., I don't think it's particularly effective in resonating among voters to get particularly the younger cohort, 18 to 35, who really are facing a landscape of, you know, dramatically limited rights. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't think that gets them out the door. 
In our last minute here, uh, Professor, th- of course, this is something that Republicans have been working for pretty much ever since Roe v. Wade was decided to get an, uh, to get the decision overturned. But is the ruling coming at the right time for them? Um, well, I mean, when you think about, um, I think for the midterm elections, I mean, you could argue that this is, you know, um, for the presidential elections might be a bigger issue. But for the midterm elections, I think they're counting on the Democrats making the mistake of emphasizing the federal congressional midterms when, in fact, you have to emphasize state legislative races to make any difference on this particular issue. So I don't know how Democrats translate that uh, because you have a Democratic president who will veto uh, anything the Republicans send in terms of a nationwide ban on abortion unless the Republicans get a veto-proof majority. So there's all sorts of ways in which I think Republicans are counting on Democratic, frankly, Democratic incompetence uh, at mobilizing their voters on this issue at the state level and even the national level to still do quite well in November. Thanks for this, Professor. Always good getting your thoughts. Wendy Schiller is director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. S&P futures right now up 19 points. Dow futures up 108. NASDAQ futures are higher by 84 points. Ten-year Treasury is down 930 seconds now. The yield 3.16% and the yield on the two-year 3.07%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.